Where do you go for comics new and old? Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDAIR at checkout to get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? Wizard World Comic Con. Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. Whoa, dudes, Michelangelo here from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original one. Yeah, and you are listening to Candare Podcast. It happens to be a tribute to comics and pop culture like yours truly, Cowabunga! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley, and this is a special episode we're doing today. I was originally planning on taking the week off, but you know what? When opportunity presents itself, you have to jump on it. Now, you guys have probably heard me in the past mention a good friend of mine who I like to go flea market and yard sailing with. Uh, you've probably heard me tell the myths of, da- of Harold Daniel, who just, um, I don't even know how to say it. He's got a magic when, it's, when he's in the field of the flea market in the garage sale world that I just can't compete with, that I just marvel at. He's able to get the best stuff for the lowest prices. And he's also a podcaster. He's a fellow podcaster. Let me introduce Harold Daniel. Harold, thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, man, thank you. Or me, rather. Or me, rather. I said us. (laughs) Force of habit. Thank you for being here with me. You're kind of upselling me a little bit. I'm not not that good. I'm not that good. Well, from the outside looking in, it's pretty impressive, sir. It's pretty impressive. But tell tell the uh, listeners a little bit about yourself, about your podcast. Well, currently now I have kind of a slow jam podcast. It's basically a slow jam radio station and a podcast fused together. It's called Lover's Rendezvous. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm in about season, this is the fifth yeah, the fifth season that I'm starting to work on. I'm going to change the show up a little bit than what I've normally been doing. So, you know, take a look out for that. Yeah. And also I have another podcast I'm working on and it's going to be called the main attraction and that's just going to be a pretty much about my life about different things i collect and favorite tv shows just different things about my childhood and that's kind of a play on your podcasting name too big main is what you go by in the podcasting world correct exactly yep and then so it's called again my my main attraction was that what you said it was called the main attraction the main attraction that's clever that's clever. I like that. I can't wait to hear it. No, I, I, I've listened to uh, Lover's Rendezvous before, and it's a chill show. If you like chill music, just something to have on in the background and learn something, too. Every time there's a song on there, you always like kind of drop a little fact or something about it that most people don't know. So educational at that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, you're going to have to send me some links because uh, I'm going to help you route people over that way to check it out. But since you're in the house, Harold came over today to set up a emulated PC for me like this. This. This is a a hell of a dude right here. Had an extra computer laying around. He goes, you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to make an emulation. Explain it. You can explain it better than I can. What is it exactly? 
is basically um, an emulation PC where you can play all of the old school games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes is Laka is the software that you can use, or you can use Emulation Station. The one that you have in particular is Emulation Station. Okay. Because everybody needs retro in their life. You're right about that. And you've seen the retro I currently have there in the closet. I've got I've got a Retron 2, which plays uh, original and Super Nintendo games. And there's also a Nintendo 64 on there. With a, I've got a GameCube around here. But, you know, if I want to play any of these games, you know, i got to tear down one and set up the other. And, you know, for what? Uh, to choose between five games I may have for each of them where this is everything, right? This is the kit and caboodle. Everything. 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 I mean, the hair on my arm standing up, Harold. I, I can't wait to play this thing. We we did come into some problems today, though. I, I, I'm not quite the nerd I should be, and I don't have the required equipment around here to uh, get it completely hooked up. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. We're going to figure it out. But what keeps uh, me and Harold, I think, going through the work day sometimes, because we do work with each other, is uh, the fact that we sometimes get to rendezvous and talk about toys and deals we found on toys and video games. Uh, you know, it's a passion of both of ours that brought us each uh, brought us together, I think. So how, where, did, where did your collecting begin, Harold? If I think back, I believe that the starting of collection or maybe addiction is what it may have turned to looks it's like a here. slippery slippery slope isn't it yes yes most definitely yeah i went to a thrift store and found a great deal on a bunch of nintendo games mm-hmm. and i got those games home and it was a few games i really didn't grow up with so i really didn't care about so then i trade with mm-hmm. you know our buddy right brent, brent. yes right and from then on Say, hey man, we gotta get you into collecting. You don't have any. They see you don't have any Super Nintendo games. You gotta get more Super Nintendo games. Then it went from Super Nintendo games to toys. Then it went to everything vintage that I like. Pretty much is what I try to collect. And these are all things. In in my case too, these are all things that we could all get online, look on Amazon or eBay, and with the click of a few buttons, have at our front door in a day or two. But Where's the fun in that? We've we've talked. It's not. It's not. It's not. That's why I can't. I can't. Yeah. I can't do it that way. That's not. We fun. We talk all the time on the show about the thrill of the hunt, and then when you and I are talking personally, we always talk about the thrill of the hunt. What's the point of buying it on eBay when that's the experience? You know, that's that's the most fun is finding the toy. I've always said like. I'll be at Big Fun, say, the, the vintage toy store downtown. And the second I find something I've been looking for, like, the rest of the day can kiss my ass. Like, the only <laughs> thing that matters, get this thing paid for and get it home in the collection, you know? Exactly. And once I do that, I uh, the experience immediately to be, begins to deteriorate. When it's on the shelf over there, it's over. Excitement for it dwindles. I still love it. I'm still glad I have it. But the excitement for it isn't there because the hunt's not there anymore. I found exactly. It. They're, at the end of the day, I personally feel that they're all pretty much glorified trophies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of the things where you walk into your man cave if you have one and then you look at the stuff and you say, I got yeah. this, I got this, I got yeah. this. And when you have a buddy come over, well, check this out. This is, I have this, I have this. And then you got a story. Each, each thing has a story behind it. Mm-hmm. So now you have a story. Now it's a, yeah. you know, talking piece over here. 
And, you know, I, I was talking to you before we started about how uh, I'm running out of room. Like, I have to slow down on what I'm buying because there's nowhere to put it. How many totes can I fill full of toys? But at the same time, as, as soon as those words escape my mouth, I'm already thinking about the next toy I need to purchase, the next thing I want. It's, it's a never-ending thing. So when I sit down with those totes, because sometimes I get overwhelmed. I'm like, something's got to give, something's got to go. And I sit down thinking I'm going to find um, just kind of static toys I've forgotten about or, or things that never really meant that much. But when I sit down and open all these totes, I realize this isn't just a bunch of stuff you've acquired in the past few years that you've already forgotten about. This is a lifetime collection. I've been building this as long as I've been alive because some of these things I've had since I was two years old. Right, and right. each of them, whether it be something from my childhood or not, was picked individually. It's not like I acquired a big lot. Each one of them has its own moment, its own story as to why it belongs to me. And when I look at them, I can't get rid of They're like kids, you know, and that's a problem. You're going to see me on intervention one day. They're, <laughs> they're prying toys out the front door and I'm crying and reaching and screaming, you know, it's not going to be pretty. Right. I, I feel like it's we're trying to relive a moment in time in our lives where life was a lot more simpler. Mm-hmm. Or you may, you know, go try to collect the toy that you didn't have growing up. Because mm-hmm. that's for, yeah, that's right, another big for, thing. Because for me, you know, I, my family wasn't really blessed financially. Sure. So whatever you got, you got right, and you appreciated it. Sure. So I grew up not having Transformers and mm-hmm. the GoBots and He Man and different things like that. So when I go out in a while and I see them got to get them right no i understand completely you know i was growing up i don't i had toys don't get me wrong i had toys but like typically if like say when jurassic park came out i was obsessed i wanted all toys to the franchise but my parents were like you can have a figure from the thing and that's it so i had you know like one little robert muldoon figure with a little (laughs) tiny t-rex right and that was it it was hard to get invested otherwise i was you know, that was that was all the Jurassic Park stuff I had. And then in my adult years, when I'm seeing all these things, I just would stare in the Sears catalog at for endless hours, you know, in front of me, obtainable. Like, I could buy that right now. Like, the, my white whale is in my possession. The T-Rex, that's what I want the most. The original T-Rex from Jurassic Park. The original Kenner T-Rex. Like, the, the action figures would fit down its throat. It was that big. Right, right, and they, uh, you can find him out there. He's around a hundred bucks, but and it, it's and it's also rare to find a lot of people that are into vintage collecting that really love it. Right, because a lot of people do it for the money. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to get things for a quick flip or whatever. And don't get me wrong, things that I don't have emotional attachment to. Yeah, I sell it on my eBay store. Right, but it's just certain things that. Can't go. I just just can't. I yeah. just I just can't. I can't do it. I'm the same way, I, and it's going to be a burden on somebody someday. That's for sure. When I die, though, <laughs> unless they just burn it all, which is probably what will happen, but I hope not. I hope they put it back out in the world for the next person's hunt to be as you know satisfying as mine was. But yeah, I need to quit at some point. Either that or get more room. That'll be the next step. Get in the house. Get in the house. Dedicating a floor to toys. Exactly. Right. If it, if I had my dream, I would have my own little museum mm-hmm. just set up for things in cases and the whole nine, I would. My dream is 
similar to that. I want to have a um, a huge room. My buddy has the perfect basement in his house. When you go down, like the the, the basement's divided in, in half, but long ways. So he's just one long room stretching the entirety of the house. And I thought, man, what I would do with that space at the very end, I would make the podcasting studio. But in between there, like you're saying, make like a mini museum where you have all your toys in a section. I'd get some of those stand up arcade booths, put them in like a mini arcade somewhere. But the one thing I would love to get is as a booth, a a booth from like the old showbiz pizzas restaurants. Oh, yeah. Hook that, like put that in there along in the, you know how they used to have the TVs hanging from the ceiling in showbiz and the Chuck E. Cheese playing the videos. You can find them videos on YouTube. And uh, hook a TV up, you know, the same way and just just make it as close to my childhood as possible. Exactly. Yep. Animatronics. I don't know about getting those five nights at Freddy fucking things in there. Those things are creepy, man. Like even when I was a kid, like I didn't as much as I love going there. Like I always tell my parents, I don't want to sit close to the stage, you know, just in case. Stay in the fucking bag. (laughs) I give you I give you this exclusive story. Exclusive story. All right. Let's hear it. When I was when I was growing up, mm-hmm. we went to Chuck E. Cheese. Mm-hmm. Back long time ago, instead of having them on TV, they they had like actual animatronics sitting like up on top of the wall, and they would yes, you know, talk to each other. Mm-hmm. I used to be terrified of them things. Oh, I get it, man. I mean, I would climb under the table and hide and would literally be in tears. I get it. I don't know what it was about those things. Because they look like Hellspawn. That's why. They move, act, sound like Hellspawn. I get it. I get it. And that's why Five Nights at Freddy's is such a success, (laughs) because you're not alone. You are not alone. It, It always scared me going... There was a few times where... I would go to Chuck E. Cheese with a birthday party. And if you remember anything about like a birthday party in those settings, you're right up front. Like all the big birthday tables are right in front of the stage. So like as a kid, I'm like, I was scared, but I'm also with my friends. So it's like, it's time to nut up or shut up. And You know, I, I put up with it. And then after I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad. After the curtain shuts, I go up there and I pull the curtain and just see him like hanging like inactive back there. That's the shit nightmares are made of. That's that's it. Because when they're finished talking or mm-hmm. finished operating, they just their eyes just close and their head is down. Yeah. And yeah. Terrifying. There is a documentary, and if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It's called The Rock of Fire Explosion. I've seen it. I've seen oh, it. And it's so good. It. And if you people at home haven't seen it, watch it. Even those you of you who don't know what Showbiz Pizza is, it's it's what ushered in Chuck E. Cheese. And you surely probably know what that is. If you've never been there, you know of it. Anyway, um, the dude who made the Rock of Fire Explosion, that original band with the gorilla right. on the keyboards, the yep. bears on the guitars and shit, um, you know, it was a licensed deal with Showbiz. And then when Chuck E. Cheese came in, they said either sell us your rights to these characters or you're we'll done. shut them down, right. And he's like, well, I'm not selling my rights. And they did just that. They shut him down. So uh, this this documentary, you know, you see both ends of the spectrum. You're looking through Aaron Fector's eyes. I think that was his name. He's the creator of them. And then you're also looking through fans' eyes, people right. who have spent life, life savings to acquire one of these bands to have for their personal collection. But anyway, speaking of haunting is the tour he takes you through through that factory. Uh, I don't remember the... Right, with the... the, with the- 
extra parts and stuff. The that, parts that laying around. around. But yes. what was creepy as shit was in the back room where they had all the masks. They were like wolf and bear masks that were hanging on the, on the wall, but they had been there so long and it was so hot in there. Oh, yeah. Were, they were like stretching and stretch, melting. Right, they right, looked, right, right. Yeah. They were haunting as shit. They were so scary. They were haunting. I do, I do remember that now that you mention it. And I think he does. Uh, I look on YouTube. He does birthday parties at that place, and I think he'll even do like overnight stays in that place, trying to like capitalize on that Five Night at Freddy's kind of popularity, you right. know. So at least he knows where his niche is. If he still wants to make money with these guys, you know, make him creepy, but. I don't know. I, it's funny. I I always think of Showbiz Pizza like it's something that everybody grew up with, but it's definitely not. Like when I've talked to the guys on the show about it, they're like, "No, I've never heard of it, or I've never been there." And I'm typically the only guy in the room who knows Showbiz. But um, if you don't, still watch it. Rock a fire explosion. The Rock a fire explosion. The name of the documentary. Really good. Check it out. Yeah, the only thing I remember, I don't remember the name Showbiz Pizza. Mm-hmm. I just remember Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, yeah, no, Showbiz yeah. Pizza, I think, went away in, like, 88, 89, maybe even later, but it was like, Showbiz Pizza, where a kid can be a kid. I don't know if you remember that so commercial. They took, so, they, so they took Chuck E. Cheese, so Chuck E. Cheese took the same jingle? Pretty sure. Wow. Pretty sure, unless I'm, I'm wrong. Yeah, because they did Chuck E. Cheese's, where, you're right. Maybe I'm just got some Mandela effect. Shit happening in my head right now. I'm gonna have to research that, but I'm almost positive that there was showbiz pizza where a kid can be a kid. Where can a kid kid around? Billy. Where can he act like a clown? Billy. Oh, what a face. There's just one place for a silly Billy like you. Come to showbiz pizza, you can turn it loose. Make them laugh, have some fun, be a silly goose. You're a kid, shout it out. That's what we're all about. I mean, why wouldn't they reuse it? They're the same company, just one ate at the other one up, right? Exactly, yeah. Why not use what you've already got at your disposal? But the, that original band, like when you'd be in there, they'd play a bunch of Beatles songs, I remember especially. And that was so cool. I mean, not that I was a huge Beatles fan when I was a kid, but into adulthood, you're like, oh yeah, the Chuck E. Cheese songs. But wait a minute, <laughs> they were borrowing Beatles songs. Did you guys have the uh, Lion that was the Elvis impersonator. Did you guys have that down here? No, yeah. we did not. Back in Cleveland, they had a lion. He was a tall lion. He had the whole hookup dressed like Elvis. With no. Imitate Elvis, had the guitar, the whole nine. No. And I remember him specifically. Wow, no, I don't remember him. We had... There were three stages. There was the main stage and then two little ones on either side. And I think now the way they have it on the on the clear left little stage is where Chucky stands. But back in the day, it was a wolf who had a hand puppet, like mm-hmm. a yellow hand puppet. And uh, then on the opposite little stage was Billy Bob Bear. And he was just like a like a country bear. He had like big bib overalls on and he had like a, a banjo that he would play. Mm-hmm. And then on the main stage was like the gorilla, the mouse, the bear, the dog, all the, the other characters. But it was so cool because on top of them characters, there were also little like background characters that would pop up in the background and sing and shit. It was right. it was just always entertaining as hell. 
And just a treat to go to, you know. All the arcade games, the ball pits. Man. I used to love the arcade games. Apparently you still do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't you can't forget the rubbery cheese on a pizza. The pizza is one thing that never stood out to me. I remember vomiting in a Chuck E. Cheese before, so I would assume the pizza had something to do with it. <laughs> I would assume, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I was one of the kids that made that experience for every other kid that night. It's like, I remember being there one night when a kid threw up everywhere. That was me. That was you. I was like, I don't feel good. I need to get to the bathroom and like outside the bathroom door all over the floor. Wow. What an experience. What a, what a, what a memory for listeners to listen to. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got, Harold? What do you want to talk about? I was just was peeping over there and see if you got the Teddy Ruxpin over there. Mm-hmm. That's animatronics. Boy, what a good way to yeah, what a good way to take the conversation. I mean, Teddy Ruxpin at the time, I having him, I always compared to having Showbiz Pizza at home. You know, like right. bringing home these animatronics. And it's funny. Have you seen the new Teddy Ruxpins? There's that, like, nothing that's nowhere near like what we grew up with. I I don't. I, he looks awful. One, I think he looks awful. He's smaller, but his mouth still moves, and his eyes, rather than just being blinking servos, they're actual little like uh, LED, LCD, LED displays. Kind of like kind of like the the newer Furbies. Yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, kind of exactly. like that. Yeah, I um yeah. Worlds of Wonder was the company that put out Teddy Ruxpin because I have a. Yeah, one Teddy Ruxman at home, and then they also did Mickey and Goofy. I don't know if you remember those or not. I do remember those. Those came a little <laughs> bit later, but not much later. Because they, they even did a Mother Goose one. My sister had the Mother Goose. Remember right, that? Right, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen that one also. But none of the ones that I have actually work. The really? servos are stuck yeah. and, you know... I got this guy out of storage that's behind me here a couple of years ago, and I went and bought a bunch of batteries, and I hooked him up, and he worked for like two seconds. And then, you know, just right. ate shit. And I thought about tearing him apart and uh, trying to put him back together. But looking online, that is nearly impossible. And I've got such an attachment to this guy. Like, it would be like mutilating an old friend, and I don't want to do that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would leave him. That's why I haven't tackled it. I wanted yeah. to modernize them and have it where they had MP3s inside of them and oh, yeah. can play different things. And Those but- Teddy Ruxpin um, uh, cassettes had a certain tab on them. Or, how was it? They had, like, one... You had a mono track. And then the other side of the track had pulse width modulation. And they would make these noises. And the frequencies would tell Teddy Ruxpin to open his eyes or close his eyes or I'm open g- his mouth and close his mouth. There was just a way you could, I think, to play the Teddy Ruxpin tapes in a normal tape player, you had to cover up a, with a little piece of scotch tape. There was a, a slot on the top of the cassette you'd have to cover. And um, I think there was, there was a procedure that went the other way. I felt like. Oh, if you wanted to play music in. Like play Slayer or Motorhead through <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin, but I can't remember. I don't remember if it was easy as just putting a cassette in or if you also had to modify the cassettes. Cassettes, man, I, that's something I miss I, too. I'm, not that I miss it, not that I wish we were still there, but I had so many cassettes before CDs came out. And then I you remember the little uh, tabs on them like if you wanted what was on there to stay on there you you broke the tab exactly and um at that same kind of thing you could cover that 
like if you bought a cassette, like a Janet Jackson cassette, and I say that because I did this with a Janet Jackson cassette, if you bought that and then cover that thing with scotch tape, that hole that's broken to make it so where nothing can override it, you right. can record over a store-bought cassette. And what we would do, me and my friends, like in the early days of like us playing music, like we'd have a couple little songs we'd want to record. We'd buy like a Janet Jackson single. This is right, I remember what right. we did it with. And we'd get like a uh, little razor blade and we'd scrape off her name in the song and <laughs> write our own in there and leave like the Capitol Records or BMG Music, like right, making it look right. all official and then record our own stuff on it. And then, I don't know, we were dorks. <laughs> I remember back, I remember back when we were little, we used to play practical jokes on each other. Oh, yeah. And what we would do is uh, we'd get a friend's tape and, you know, go home and let the song play for a little bit. And then we'll record like right in the middle of it, something goofy and then sneak it back over to the friend's house and just put it back in there and see how long it took them to figure it out. Wow. That's not even a <laughs> joke. That's like, that's destroying. Yeah. We, man, we, we were, we were cruel. Back yeah. Then. I'd we have been were, salty. We were cruel. But we were cruel. that's, that's good burn. That's a good burn. <laughs> yeah. I, I held on, I held on to ca- cassette tapes for a long time, especially still growing have all up mine, in yeah. high school and stuff because when CDs had kind of first got popular, mm-hmm. they would scratch. Yeah. So with Easily. tapes, you didn't really have to worry yeah. about that as much. Yeah. So I fought and fought and fought and fought until I couldn't really fight anymore. And then I went to CDs. I used to, with my uh, Walkman, I used to know with certain cassettes that I listened to a lot, exactly how long to hit that fast forward button to that next song started. Like I had a problem. I lived through those things, through through Walkmans and Discmans. They were just always attached at the hip, you know. But I, I think what first got me into sound was, like, uh, I remember getting a tape recorder in, like, 1988, 89 for Christmas. And I carried that thing with me everywhere. I record myself singing. I record songs off the radio, commercials. and all. I wish I would kill to find one of them tapes today. Right. Just to hear myself. Exactly. Hear what was on the radio. Because I remember one of the tapes had those old Copenhagen like commercials on there. Like, Copenhagen (laughs) makes you feel so good. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, yeah, I would kill to find some of those things. Little like time vaults, aren't they? Little time uh, capsules. Yeah, I wish I would have kept a lot of the things that I recorded and Mm -hmm. had different things. Yeah. Yeah. I remember also, you know, having the radio turned on full blast. And no matter where I'm at in the house, I can hear when a song that I'm into is about to come on. I run to the stereo and hit that record button, you know, and then you can make mixed cassettes off the radio. Oh, man, you bringing me back. You bringing me back. We would record slow jams and mm-hmm. give it to a girl we like. Yeah. Hey, I made you this little oh, yeah. CD here. Yep. I made you a little tape. Here's, here it is. And see, that's when that, that meant something. Because now you can make a playlist in no time at all, like on Spotify and share it with somebody. And that's it, yep. And that's it. But back in the day, if you wanted to show a girl how you felt, or even, I know, I even uh, received a mixtape from a girlfriend before, that time went into it. You had to find the CDs. You had to put each one on, in, you know, individually. Like, exactly, exactly. It took that, some time. Then you had to put the cover together. And that that alone, right there, was the basis of what started Lovers Rendezvous. Mm. Because I remember, long time ago, when Bringing they it would full play, right? Me. They would play nice slow jams. Because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm into R and B and sure, hip hop and things like that, and they would 
they would just play nice songs. You can't really get that anymore on a radio as much right. as you could back then. You're just getting what's uh, like what's new and hot and what's being commercialized. Exactly. You know, like, yeah, commercial exactly. play and yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I don't listen to the radio anymore, which is not a good thing because I'm so out of touch with music nowadays. And You're not I, missing anything. I never thought that would happen growing up. I had, I was so into music and I still am. I still love music. Don't get me wrong, but I just thought I will always be on the pulse. I will always be with what's hip and new. And that is, boy, that is not the case at we, all. <laughs> we are becoming our parents. Yeah. Because they were like, what are you listening to? That's not music. Yeah. And now, no, I'm doing. We're like, that. I don't need any of that new stuff. Yeah, no, I got, I got what keeps me good. And yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I just can't do it. Nothing out there speaks to me. I, there's something lost with the music industry today, just with digital music the way it is. With Spotify, with iTunes, the album experience isn't there anymore. You know, music was hard to come by in the day. When you got a CD, you listened to all the songs because it was like 18 bucks to get that CD. Exactly. It's. See, what has happened is they have realized that politics plays a big part of how they record and how, mm -hmm. they, how they make music. A lot of these stars, especially newer ones, they're just coming back. They don't really care about giving you substance. Right. They just want to record and just do whatever because they know that it's going to sell. Because if we shove it down your throat long enough, often enough, fast enough... You will adopt this as a great song, and then you'll tell your friends, and then those friends tell other friends, and we'll play right. it on the radio 40,000 times back to back, and then that's how we make money, because now it's it's not even CDs anymore. It's, it's downloads now and streams now. It's a whole different dynamic than what it was back then. And, 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 you know, I think people who do go for an album experience nowadays are probably in for a treat because back in the day when, you know, you're only getting albums on CD, cassette, vinyl, whatever it might be, um, typically you have one or two singles, you know, that play on the radio and that's right. what sells the album. Those one or two songs sell those 10 to 12 songs. Exactly. But in a world now where we can piece albums together we don't have to buy a whole album we just get song, one or two songs that we like from what i understand the industry pushes each of the you know every song now to be like a single uh right chart topper if possible i mean obviously the days of michael jackson's thriller ain't going to come again where every single song almost is you know on the charts but i think that's what they strive for be you know that way the album the whole album is sold not just a few pieces of it here and there Maybe I'm talking up my ass, too. That's a very good possibility. I don't know. I believe that with certain classic albums, it's a mixture of the right time, the right place, the right people, right atmosphere. That's what it is for everything, man. And when it all comes together in the pot, mm -hmm. that's when you get a classic. I think a lot of people might disagree with me, but I strongly believe. I mean, that's, that's the elixir to everything. The Beatles, Elvis... Michael Jackson had any of these people come at a different time or, you know, what if Michael Jackson didn't happen until 10 years later, something else would have come revolutionized the time. And he would have been looked at like, eh, no, no, thank you. These people come at times when change is needed badly. Look at Kurt Cobain, right. and Nirvana and the whole grunge era. And the world was so fucking sick of hair metal 
Yeah, like when the Beatles hit, I think one of the one of the top albums on on the charts at the time was like Singing Nuns. Like, who the fuck wants to listen to Singing <laughs> Nuns? You know, when you listen to the Beatles, and I'm not an expert. I've spent a lot of time researching the Beatles, and it just seems to me it was that it was a time where change was needed. It was a revolution. The right. '60s, man. I mean, people were changing. That you know, everything was changing. It was, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. So, had the Beatles not come till the say the '80s? That's no? a good question. That's a good. What question. if the Beatles came 20 years before? They might have before they came. Like, what if they would have hit in like the '30s? People have been like. <laughs> This is too fucking out there, you know. We're not doing this. Let's let's get back to skeeting and skabopping or whatever they were doing. The what do they call that music? Like swing music and shit right. from the thirties. I guess would have been popular with. I'll see, ladies time. and gentlemen. Now we're at the What If podcast. Oh man, <laughs> we could go down a What If hole if you want to, but man, that's that's a hard one. I, I've been finding with that show if you try to look at What If history went a different way it's a lot harder than just saying what if we could fly or something you know what i mean right right because that line of thought you can go anywhere where other routes like that are like what if so-and-so had been elected president instead of this person like oh my god i don't know where to begin with that that's getting in over my head but what's next harold no let's talk about your favorite turtles (laughs) my favorite turtle toy teenage mutant ninja turtles let's just talk about it period Okay, just talk turtles. Period. All right. All right. What? Go ahead. Do you remember the first time you saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <sighs> or your first, or your first memory? Yeah. Yes and no. I think I remember the first time I had seen it was just obviously on TV. But um, I remember more than that. I remember the first turtle I owned. Like that was an experience for me. The very first Ninja Turtle was that classic squishy head, Michelangelo. <laughs> And that dude might as well have been my child. I loved that toy. Loved him. And um, I remember taking him to school. And there was a girl on the, on the playground who was always a little bit of a bully, you know. And moments before recess ended, she grabbed my Michelangelo, threw him about 30 feet in the air. He came down and shattered into uh, built a figure. And, dude, he oh, came no. into about five, six different pieces. And I wept like a baby. I wept. <laughs> and I think my dad ended up fixing it for me. But I remember uh, then a few days later, my mom picking me up from school and she had stopped and picked me up a Leonardo just just for fun. Typically, action figures like you know, stuff like that, I would either get on my birthday, Christmas, other that other than that, I bought it with my allowance, you know. So for her to just show up or for no apparent reason to have that Leonardo for me, that was cool. And that's something I always remember. But that's where my turtle collection, my turtle toys and everything started. But I was about it. You know, I was I was in on it during the hype. Like I remember Burger King. I think they were doing those. Remember the FHE? I think they were cassettes. The cassettes. Right. I still see those at thrift stores every now and then. I've, I've got a few. I love those. I, I adore them. Uh, not that I have a VCR that would play them, but... Eventually, when uh, we're in a bigger place and I can, you know, put my whole collection out rather than just pieces at a time, I would like to have a little VHS wall that have some of those. Because I got not only those old Turtle VHS, I've got some of those old X-Men VHS. Right. Just those, those, those cassettes that cost like 20 to 30 bucks that had like one 30-minute episode on them. They were such a ripoff, but at the same time, they were magical, weren't they? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, I remember, see, growing up, I didn't have any Ninja Turtle figures at all at all I didn't have any Ninja Turtle I used to watch the cartoon religiously mm. but I didn't have any Ninja Turtle figures 
growing up? I had, I consider a lot, but almost every one of my friends had double to triple the amount I did. You know what I mean? Like right. every, most people I knew, if you like had a turtle, you had more than one turtle, you know, they, they were, they were mm-hmm. like GI Joes, you know? They were like, four, I think if I remember correctly, I think they were four bucks a piece. Four or five, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah they were. Yeah. But, at the t- you know, again, what was minimum wage at that time? I remember when minimum wage, when I started working in like, what, 97 was like four seventy five an hour. That's so what it when I had my summer job, that's exactly how much I got paid. Four seventy five. Yeah. Was minimum wage. Yeah. And, you know, that scene at the time, I, I remember thinking, well, that ain't bad. I'll take four seventy five an hour. <laughs> but gas was under a dollar a gallon, too. But my first job was a tasty freeze. Like a like a like a generic Dairy Queen, mm-hmm. and on top of that, four seventy five an hour, you got to eat whatever you want, whenever you want, from the restaurant. So I would just sit there making milkshake after milkshake after hamburger after hot dog after pizza steak. Right, you name it, I ate it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those were fun times. That that was a cool job, man, because. Not only was the building itself kind of retro, that building that I worked in hadn't been updated since like the 50s. Right, right. So it had that 50s kind of malt shop feel to it. Not to mention they always played the oldies in there. So I go in there on a summer day and it was like being in a time machine. I felt like I was working in the 50s, man. It was, so they were trying to recapture the whole entire... I don't think that's what they were necessarily world. trying to recapture. It's just what was happening. You know what I gotcha, mean? Gotcha, gotcha. They just had a building that wasn't updated and just running a business. The one woman there liked the oldies by chance. But to me, looking at it all and through one scope, it's like, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm working in the 50s. <laughs> I'm just missing the little tiny paper hat and apron, you know? <laughs> right, right. And someone the fucking singing Mr. Sandman over here. I'm sorry, you're about to say something. No, I was just saying, I was just thinking my uh, first job was at a community center. It was a summer job. Really? I remember the summer jobs? Oh, they, yeah. I'd had to get the uh, permission to work because I was 16 or mm-hmm. 15 or 16 or something like that. And, yeah, yeah. I think it was to, 16. You had to get a permit or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that, yeah. Was my first, that was my first job. I jumped between the, the, the ice cream place and, the, and a pizza place. I I had to jump between them because they wanted me to deliver pizza. And that being only 16 and having just got my driving permit, my mom was like, I don't want you delivering pizzas, you know. But they yeah, eventually I, got her to cave on that. I delivered pizzas for two years. I used to, well, actually, mm-hmm. No, actually three years, matter Same. of fact. Yeah. Yep, worked for Papa John's. Delivering pizzas. Did you enjoy it? You know what it was. I like the tips. You Same. know, I got the tips and everything. And except when you know you get an order from somebody you know that you know isn't going to tip. Gonna tip and right. Like, and sometimes they wouldn't even have the entire money for the pizza, let alone the tip. Well, if that ever happened, I'd, I'd never left. I'd just leave it to pizza later. <laughs> we would. Uh, Guess we got something to eat back at the shop tonight. You know. <laughs> I know. Th- I know this is. I know this is bad, but we used to people that wouldn't tip. We would put the pizza in the back and roll the window down so it would be cold when they got Oh, I thought you were going to say you'd steal the cassette, take it home and record something in there and then slip it back to them, wait for them to notice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, a lot of, it's a lot of stories from that job also. Oh, yeah. I've got so many stories, pizza delivering. I remember one night, man. I I always enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, there's going to be nights where you're like, oh, I can't wait to get the fuck out of here. But overall, looking back, it was a fun job. Right. Just, you know, you get to cruise on summer nights, you know. But one night, I was working a Friday, and we closed at 1 a.m., being a pizza joint. 
on the weekends. And I was just a Friday night. It was like 1230. I'd run my last delivery. I'm sitting at the traffic light tired. Now, mind you, this isn't a small town. So at that late at night, nobody out. Right. But right, coming right through town is a road that's like a main artery that runs just north and south through probably about six, seven counties. It's like uh, Route 68. I don't know if you know it. Mm-hmm. But I was sitting there waiting for the light to change, my eyes half open. And I'm, I'm shitting you not, from right to left, driving right across in front of me was the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. <laughs> and I was so tired that I sat there at a green light. I sat still at the, after the light turned green. I was like, did I really just see that? Did the hot dog just roll past here? Am I just that tired? And, <laughs> but it was, man. It was the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. True story. <laughs> that is that is that is crazy. I'm trying to think. I don't think I have any weird stories like that. I had some weird shit happen one night, and I've told this on the show before, but it's been years ago, like 2013. The last time I told this story, I was out on pizza delivering Halloween night, mind you. Out in this back road, and I was, I was driving a great big Oldsmobile. Right. And coming down the road, it's dark out. I see a, like a red glowing light, like on the road, almost like a red spotlight were pointed at the road from a high place. Mm-hmm. But I stop and I look around, no light shining anywhere, just a red light glowing on the road. So, and I've got to drive over it. You know, it's it's the road. It's the right. way I'm going. So I slow the car down. So I'm like, this is fucking weird. Where's that light coming from? And when I drove over it, now, mind you, I made the point of pointing out this is an Oldsmobile from the 80s. Those cars were huge. V8 right. engines. You could have had a party on the hood of that car. Yeah, I had one. I had one. So you know how big it was. Exactly. I went slow over that light, and it did not reflect down onto the top of the car, dude. I promise you it didn't. And that scared the fuck out of me. I floored that thing, and I got <laughs> out of there. And when I was taken off, I looked in the rear view, and I could still see it. And I I told that story years later, and I didn't tell it to many people because it made me sound crazy. But then years later, someone else had claimed seeing weird shit out on that same road the in same that same road, spot. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows what it is? You never know. You never do know. And I don't think I want to know. So <laughs> Might have UFOs around us. You never know. That's what the other persons had claimed to have witnessed. Something in the sky right at that same spot. I'm like, all right, well. There's no way we're going to prove it swapping stories here. So like, I'll just take, you know, whatever. What else we got, Harold? Anything? I don't know. You got anything? I don't have anything. I don't know. We just wanted to turn the mic on while we have in the same building here around some mics and see what we could do. Two podcasters podcasting for the first time. Again, no agenda. Just sitting down here seeing what comes out and being that we got some common interests. I do have one question. What got you into podcasting? What got me into podcasting? Yeah. Just learning about it, I guess. Like, I I played music, and I was in a band for a long time, and I guess I just acquired a lot of this stuff that you see around the room to record music with. But, you know, my life moves on. People get married, have kids and shit, and right. ain't got the time for that all the time. And so, like, I just wanted to repurpose all this equipment I had requi- acquired. Like, it's like, I've acquired all this. I've got to do something with it. And um, I learned about podcasting, and I thought, that'd be cool. I'd do a radio show. What, what am I going to do a radio show about? And for a long time, like, I had sit sit and made different concepts for different kinds of shows. Like, the original idea was to do a show called Unheard Radio, where I uh, touch base with garage bands. Right. These, like, undiscovered acts. They'll send me two or three of their songs. I'll talk to them. 
about it and then play the songs through the episode. I still like the idea. I think it would still be fun. But one thing I find is uh, typically musicians are kind of arrogant, think they're bigger than they are, you know, and that's a lot of attitude I don't want to deal with. I've dealt with some of it through Candare, and it's something I don't want to deal with. But no, about the same time I had the idea for doing a podcast, I went to my very first Comic-Con, and that blew my mind. I knew I wanted to be a part of that world somehow. And I was just thinking, maybe I could sell fucking T-shirts. That'll get me in the door, you know. But I came home and thought, podcasting. I could merge the two things, and that's what yeah, that's what I did. And then me and Jack were working with each other at the time, and we were already talking comics and shit daily. So we're like, let's just put mics in front of us and make that the show. And just evolved, man. Just evolved into crazy stuff, you know. 300-some episodes later, you're still doing it. Yeah, because it's been a blast, and the rewards keep coming, keep coming. You know what's cool? We got to do our first convention. Uh, no, 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 that's not true. We got to do a convention, not our first, but a convention last weekend. But it was the first time we've actually had fans come up to us and tell us what they like and stuff. So that was cool. We'll get some feedback and just have strangers come up and say they appreciate what's happening. You know, it's neat. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's the man, the myth, the legend, Jeremy. Oh, he's talking me up too much here. He's talking me up. No, I don't need that. that. You're the man, the myth, the legend. You go garage sale with Harold, you'll see some mythical shit happen, I promise you. Anything else, Harold, before we wrap up here? Nope, I don't have anything else. I'd just like to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be on your show. We're going to do it again in the future when we're a little more organized. Again, this this week I was going to take off from Candare, so... I think this will make a good burner episode to throw up, you know. And uh, until next time, we, we'll we'll be more organized. We'll we'll, we'll we'll figure out what we're going to talk about, structure it. Right. It'll be cool. Not that this was. See, I'm a bad influence. See that you weren't even wanting to record. Now you now you're recording. No, 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 no. I, I'm down for recording. I think I brought it to your attention when you came in the door. <laughs> did I not? Hey, yeah. the mics are always hot around here, so you got to put something in front of them, but. But before we go, let me remind people to go to candarepodcast.com. You can check out more on this episode, past episodes, watch videos, uh, and take the link to our merch store. All kinds of happy things to do over there. Find us on Twitter at candarepod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. If you like the show, like what we're doing, you want to support it, go to patreon.com forward slash candarepod. Or again, just go to the website. There's a link there that will take you over to our Patreon page. Where for $5 a month, you get access to our monthly Candare Patreon pod. And there are now over 20 episodes on there. So you're getting access to a catalog, people. A catalog. Not just one, not two. Over 20 episodes. You can't argue with that, right, Harold? Oh, no. You can't argue with that. And where where should people find you on Twitter? You're on Twitter, right? Uh, no. Actually, um, the easiest way to find me mm-hmm. is on Facebook, Lover's Rendezvous Podcast. Okay. And the show is actually hosted on Mixcloud. Okay. And that's the site I have to host it on in order to get the rights to play the music and everything else. I see. So Okay, so we'll have to figure out to get a link. Harold, I'm glad we uh, did this today. This is fun. Yep, I loved it. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> we'll get you back in the future. But until then, I am Jeremy Colley. And this is Harold. Thanks for listening, everyone. You are now tuned in to the number one podcast in the world, Can Air Podcast. If you are not subscribed to this podcast, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You're, you're, you're literally wasting your life. That's all it can be. You need to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast will change your life. You heard it here. 
Big Main is endorsing Can Air Podcast. You should have been listening to Canned Air. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Snowjob, how'd you get your name? Um... G.I. Joe! Man, look at... The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show. 